creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. I am your host, Andy J. Pizza! And today I want you to think back to a time as a creator on your creative journey to a time when you were super on fire for your creative work and the journey you were on and you felt like I'm right where I'm supposed to be and you knew exactly what you wanted and you knew exactly the right next step. You were on the right track. Now, (laughs) I want you to compare that to how you're feeling right now. I know, goodness gracious. Can't believe you went there, man. And I've and I've been going there for myself. And it's, you know, over the past couple of years, it has been very difficult to stay on track, to stay on fire. It's been difficult to even keep a spark of creativity going uh, during these crazy few years. Now, we've been in a global pandemic and there's no obligation for you to stay pepped, for you to stay sparked. You need to tend to what's going on and give yourself permission to take a break. But I'm glad I'm guessing that you put this podcast on not for the news, but for a you know, fresh dose of pep for something that the world isn't giving to you. And if so, if you're here, Yes, you have full permission to take a break and take care of yourself, and I believe in that, and I've done so many times, needed to do that over the past couple years, but I'm going to assume that you're here because you want to get some fresh fire. You're ready to spark things, and honestly, in the darkest times are when we need the fire. It's when we need the creative spark. You know, I feel like creatives often get humanity through these things. And the creators that I admire most, they all have ups and downs, yes, but they always find a way to get back on track. You know, over their lifetimes, the people that I want to emulate, they stay sparked. They figure out how to get re-caught on fire many times throughout their journey. And today I want to talk about how do we do that? How are we going to stay sparked, find our way? If we've fallen off track, how do we find our way back to that sweet spot? Let's do it. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. First thing that I want to rip into and talk about that I believe is the key to being an artist that stays on track and is the key to getting back on track when you have fallen off, when you've got lost. The first thing I want to talk about, I think is pretty counterintuitive. And actually, I feel like this whole episode might be a little bit counterintuitive, counter cultural for the creative world because, you know, we hear these legendary creators talk about the golden era of, you know, maybe like 18 to 24 years old of when they had some otherworldly magic and they were channeling the muse from beyond and how like that magic is just gone. And when I hear that, I'm like, I feel like that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you choose to believe that your magic days are probably gone. And I actually think there's these kind of you know, golden calves in the creative world, these uh, sacred cows, if you will, that we believe that there's this little, you know, magic blip when we get into this sweet spot of our creativity and we hit the zeitgeist and we're in there for just a minute, man, and then boom, it's over. And I actually think that kind of idea is what makes that true. And I have made it my business to go find people because I wanted to do, I want to do my best work, you know, 20 years from now. I want to continue to get better. You know, progress is so essential to happiness and meaning and feeling like, you know, what you're doing matters. And so I just wanted to reject that. I wanted to explore like, are there examples of that not being true? Now, as a story nerd, probably my favorite example of an entity that goes from strength to strength is, of course, you probably already know what I'm going to say, Pixar. Pixar never seems to go off track. I mean, 
hit after hit after hit film. And sure, there are some that I like more than others, but in terms of a track record, nobody has stayed on track more than Pixar. And actually, they're so fantastic at showing up and crushing it that they themselves have mastered the art of taking down those sacred cows. You know, I really think before Toy Story 2, we really believed like there can't really be a good sequel. When Toy Story 2 came out, I remember just the skepticism of like, this is a cash grab. It's going to be awful. And then we all watched it. We're like, oh my gosh, was that better than the previous one? Then we saw Toy Story 3 and we're like, oh my God. And it changed how we thought of it. And I actually think all the, you know, we wouldn't have the top rated Rotten Tomatoes movie of all time if it wasn't for Toy Story 2 the top rated movie of all time. It's not Titanic, not Casablanca, not The Godfather. Paddington 2 is what I'm talking about. Phenomenal movie. <laughs> Massive fan. Um, we wouldn't have Paddington 2 if it wasn't for the rule-breaking, sacred cow-smashing entities like Pixar, okay? And, and how do they stay on track year in and year out. How do they never fall off track? How do they never fall from grace? How do they do it? What's the secret of always soaring at that level? You know, whatever it is, that is the lesson we need to learn. Now, longtime listeners might be thinking, Andy, who are you to teach us this lesson? <laughs> Like, you know, between your ADHD tangents and your 18,000 stories of getting lost in real life, no one falls off track more than you. And it's true. I get lost all the time in my creative journey. I get lost in an episode. I might even get lost in real life on occasion. And I can't teach you how to not get lost. But... I don't think that's actually the lesson that we need to learn. You know, yes, even in our modern era with phones and watches and GPS and satellite triangulation, I can still get really lost in real life. Just a couple years ago, I went on a run. I got super lost. And the first thought that I had was, oh, God, not again. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been lost in real life so many times. Uh, not only that, I've gone around the country on stage telling stories of getting epically lost. I've told those stories on this podcast a million times and I was engulfed in shame. I'm like, how can, how can I, how can I ask anyone for help? It's so embarrassing. How have I not learned to not get lost? How have I not learned to stay on track? You know, I was tempted to be swallowed in shame, but then I thought, you know what, that's how things got really bad last time. I was so ashamed that I didn't stop and ask for help. And this time, instead of letting that shame keep me from, you know, asking for help and just keep searching, getting more and more lost, as soon as I knew I was lost, I gave up, I asked for help, I figured out where I was, and I got picked up. And, you know, I was, I'm still as just as bad at getting off track as I ever have been. But I have never been better at getting unlost super quickly. 
And looking back, I can see that that is the lesson that I needed to learn. Not how to never get lost, how to never fall off track, but once you're off track, how do you get back on the path quickly? You know, not getting lost is a terrible goal for me. It's unrealistic. First off, you know, I have ADHD and I forget my phone. I forget to charge my watch. I'm not paying attention. I'm always exploring new directions and what have you. It'll, I'll never learn not to get lost, but I can master the art of getting unlost. Now, Pixar nerds, when I said that they never fall off track, I have a feeling I know what you were thinking. I think you probably were thinking, look, everyone that loves Pixar knows that they fall off track all the time. You know, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but like Toy Story 2, yes, it changed things for sequels. No one saw it coming, but it almost wasn't so. In fact, they had made a completely different sequel like almost finished and decided to start from scratch. Why? Because they recognize that they had gotten lost, that they had fallen off track. So what did they do? They completely remade it. And it wasn't just for Toy Story 2. This is their approach to their creative practice. This is their approach to telling stories. There are lots of times where they get way down the road only to realize like, hey, we're recognizing that this isn't going where we want it to go. Like this isn't working. We're lost. We've fallen off track. Yes, Pixar always appears to never fall off track. They always seem to be soaring from height to new height. But the truth is what seems like flawless flying from the outside is really just falling off track with style. Like They are just as capable of falling off track as we are, but they know how to do it in such a style that they never lose their way completely. Hey, Buzz! You're flying! This isn't flying. This is falling with style. I think the same thing that's true for me with ADHD is the same for artists. Like never getting lost is an awful goal. Like never getting off track is just the, the recipe for playing it safe. Like the job of the artist is to explore the creative wilderness, experiment, try new things and go off map. Like if you're going to go off map, you're going to get lost And if you're too afraid, you'll play it super safe. And so what if Pixar's secret and and the secret of creators that are able to get back on track quickly isn't that they never get lost, but they've mastered the art of getting unlost. Pixar are the masters of falling off the track in style where other studios would fall off the track and just subconsciously think, no, we can't admit it. We've come too far. We've spent too much money. We're too embarrassed to admit that we're lost. Pixar will stop everything, give up, figure out where they're stuck and ask for help. So, you know, they'll even bring in story consultants from the outside and, and, and admit like we've lost our way. 
So what's the first step to being a master of falling off track with style? What is the secret to getting unlost quickly? The first step is to be incredible at recognizing and owning when you've lost your way. And that's why I wanted to do this episode is because, you know, none of us had it on our map what has happened to us over the past couple of years. Like if you didn't fall off track at some point over the past couple of years, I'm kind of judging you because how did you do it? Like, why didn't you tell us this was coming if it was all part of your master plan? Like it, that it just isn't true. So how do you know? How do you, how do you recognize when you have lost your way? It's, actually really easy back at the start of this episode we said you know when you were on fire when you felt like I'm in the right place at the right time and you felt like I know what I want and I know exactly the right next step that's when you're not lost you're not lost when you are certain about the next step but when you find yourself in deep indecision not knowing what project to start, not knowing, you know, should I put this color here, that color, what, you know, this line, should I use this? You I, I just don't even know. Indecision is the key landmark of lostness. If you're finding yourself in a place creatively where you take three steps one direction and then you're like, hold on, I don't know if I'm getting closer to where I wanna go or further away. And, and you go a different direction, if you find yourself stopping and starting and changing directions every other day, you are lost. And I know what it feels like to be lost. I get it. It's embarrassing. You probably told all your friends like, I'm doing a new project this year. 2022 is my year because I'm doing a daily project because I'm starting a new album because I'm doing this. And I've, you know, you've already told everybody like this is what the story's gonna be for me. But if you're going to find that fire again, Andy, I'm talking to you. You've got to pause for a minute before you just hit the ground running in this new year and ask yourself, in what ways have I fallen off track? And so that's the first step, just admitting to yourself and being like, it's okay. By the way, you know, none of us saw this coming and stopping where you are and saying, I'm lost and let's face the facts. All right, so that was number one. Number one was master the art of falling off track in style. Number two is to create your own falling in style checklist. Okay, if you're someone who is prone to forgetting stuff, prone to getting lost, you're gonna have a lot of checklists uh, or you're gonna get in a lot of trouble. I even have a checklist when I go to the gym. I need to put, you know, <laughs> I have to go swim trunks, towel, socks, watch, phone, mask, but, you know, all these different things. I have to look at it every single time I go to the gym. It's I feel very embarrassed. And then... I heard this episode of the podcast Hidden Brain. It's an NPR podcast, and the episode is called Check Yourself. And it's all about this book called The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande. And it's really making me feel a lot of self-esteem because Atul says that 
doctors and pilots desperately need checklists. And so now when I'm packing my gym bag, I'm thinking doctors probably forget their gym shorts all the time. And I feel a lot better about myself. But in that episode, they talk about how thousands of people's lives have been saved by simple checklists that surgeons go through. It is a game changer. And they've gone on this massive campaign to get doctors to adhere and and participate in checklists. And it's actually really difficult to get them to do it, even though it's proven to save lives. And it's also really huge with pilots. You know, uh, over the break, we had our in-laws from England and we hadn't seen them in a long time. And it was so emotional. And one of the things we did was... um, My father-in-law is real into like aircrafts and what have you. And we took him out to the Air Force Museum here in, uh, it's just a couple, it's an hour and a half away from here in Dayton, Ohio. And it's this massive museum and it was crazy. And it's not usually my thing except for they had all these sweet like badges and all these cool things that are painted on the planes are actually like bury my taste and, and that part was really great. My son just was eating it up. And I was just blown away by how, like, they, they had this engine cut in half, and you could see all the moving parts, like thousands of bolts, like all these different things. And, you know, in this episode of Hidden Brain, they talk about how complicated modern aircrafts really are. And they told a story of Boeing actually doing this test flight for the Boeing flying fortress for the army out at this very museum. And it's this really tragic story because this, they forgot this one part of the takeoff and it actually resulted in this huge uh, infamous crash where people actually lost their lives And it was just this little thing that they forgot to do in the takeoff that caused it. Now, of course, on this podcast, we're not talking about lives at stake, but think about it. Like people's lives were at stake and it was that easy to forget something. You know, I often think, of course, I'm remembering all the things that keep me on track. If they're that important, I'm remembering them. But that is clearly just not true. It doesn't matter how important something is. That doesn't mean it's going to stick. You know, I forget some of the most essential things that make me, you know, keep me sparked and keep me alive uh, for my creative journey all the time. And so I suggest that you, like the doctors, you know, let me, you could be just like a doctor, um, create your own checklist for falling off track in style. You know, Pixar even has their own checklist. It's, you know, they have these famous 22 rules of storytelling. And of course, I'm a complete nerd about it. Uh, the first one is, you know, we admire characters more for trying than we do success. I uh, like the second one even better. You got to keep in mind what's interesting to you as an audience, not just what's fun to do as a writer. They can be very different. And we talk about that idea all the time on the show. But yeah, if Pixar has a checklist and doctors have a checklist, I think you and me need a checklist. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Here's what I did. 
I started by looking back throughout my creative journey and just highlighting what were the brightest points. What were the times where I felt that feeling? At the beginning of this episode, I asked you to think back to a time when you were on fire, you were right in the right place, you were totally on track, you knew exactly the right next thing, like, and you didn't even think of it, did you? You just kept listening to the episode. How dare you? Now I want you to actually do it. Listen and think about what were those times and make an actual list. And I did this personally, and even though I have done this many times, I was still struck by how powerful of a practice it was for me. And I got different insights. I saw uh, things that comforted me. There were things that I had to confront within what I'm doing. You know, the first thing that occurred to me, you know, looking back over these shining bright spots where everything felt like it was in the right place, you know, it's kind of like looking at a constellation, you know, the brightest stars, you can see them. And if you connect the dots, you're going to see the bigger picture. That's what we're trying to do here. What are the things that these moments had in common and be prepared to surprise yourself. You know, all those times where I was soaring and it looked like I'm really flying. One of the things that came up for me that I did not see coming is that almost every one of those memories had a collaborative aspect. You know, I kind of think of myself, I'm an introvert. I do a lot of things on my own. I'm always, you know, coming up with new ideas and working on stuff. But looking back, I can see that that might actually be to my detriment sometimes because the brightest spots on my timeline, collaboration was key. And I can see like coffee meetings, helping friends through stuff. That was key. I can see like, you know, I got comforted by just the patterns of, you know, this bright, shiny part happened, you know, just a couple months after I was in my darkest time when I was feeling completely off track. And it really comforted me to see that. And then as you're doing this, I just want to give you a warning because some of you might not be ready for this. I think it's been a couple years, so I think it's safe to recommend. You know, as I was going through this and I got, you know, I started back in kind of my early 20s. I moved all the way up to 2019, 2020. And we just got dangerously close to when the pandemic hit. And I just felt like there's some collective trauma and stress related to that. And I'm looking at some of these you know, some of the most, four of the points of my line were in 2019 and early 2020. And all of the things they were associated with dried up overnight. And it was an emotional thing to confront that, the truth of like, this has had an effect on all of us. And, and obviously some of us even uh, more so. And so, you know, I do recommend like, before you do that process, may, maybe that's a thing you need to think about. Like, am I ready to face that? Do I need a, a therapist to walk me through that? Do I need a good friend to, you know, do this? We can do it over coffee or do it over Zoom and and both go through this together. Like, it might be a kind of heavy experience. But for me personally, I'm kind of feeling like, look, we're several years into this thing and I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't want to, I don't want to stay in the darkness. I want to be a spark. And that's where I'm at. If you're also in that place, 
then I highly recommend this activity. Create, you know, start with looking at those shiny spots, start identifying what were the keys to this thing and make your own checklist. These are the things that I need to be doing on a regular basis to stay on track. You know, one of the things I found most fascinating about that hidden brain episode is that they were talking about one of the keys to whether checklists work from hospital to hospital is that the hospital makes the list unique to them because what's true in one hospital isn't necessarily true in another hospital. And not only that, when you make your own list, you have this ownership and autonomy and, and personal anecdotal references that help you believe in the truth of it. It's really important that you don't take my list. And that's why I'm not going to give you one. It's important to come up with your own. Last thing we're going to talk about, number three, it's your call to action, your call to adventure. It's time to, you know, take some quick action, have some quick wins. This is what I recommend you do. You can do it right now. Number three is Marie Kondo, your art practice at this, you know, time in the year. You can do this any time of the year, but I think it's especially effective in the new year season if you're listening to this episode now. Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, anytime you're feeling like that, this is a great process. You know, usually in the new year, I'm always starting with this energy, this start energy. It's the, it's the start of the year. I got to start a daily project. I'm going to start posting more. I'm going to start working on that book proposal that I've been putting off. I'm going to start a new album. Don't worry. I'm not actually going to make an album, but I always get into this. Like I'm going to start some stuff, man. And, uh, after the pain of the past few years, I just realized I couldn't do it. And so this year I decided instead I'm going to give up. I'm just going to give up. That's right. Instead of just asking, what am I going to start? I said, I'm going to ask, what do I need to stop? And I listed out 16 things. The, there were 16 things that I knew, like these are significant buckets of the things that I'm in participating in and, and that, you know, are distinct, different things that I'm doing. A lot of stuff. And I quit about 25% of them. We've talked about on this show before this idea of the 80-20 rule. It's the Pareto principle. The idea is that 80% of your results are usually due to only 20% of your effort. And I've seen this to be true in my own practice. And then, you know, you'll spend 80% of your effort on 20% of the results. And usually when we're thinking about that, we're thinking about how, you know, we're focusing on doing more of the 20%. Like if we're doing more of that 20%, just think about the results. Uh, what well, if we put all our effort there, but this year I want you to focus on that 80% that if you quit doing it, you would only lose about 20% of your results. And so, you know, what are the things that are busy work? For me, it was posting on Pinterest. You know, every time we have a new episode, I'm not going to do that anymore. We automated it. Uh, it might not be the best solution, but it's more than fine because we don't get any results from that. 
And I, the busy work element of it is I love how it looks on Pinterest. We have this board. It, it puts it in the header of the web, of my little profile and tilts it at a slant. You can see all the episode art and it just looks, I just like how it looks, but I had to face the facts like every week that's taking a little bit out of me, but it's not actually achieving anything. It's not, it's, fu- it's not fulfilling me. It's not a, a getting anything done. And then there are other places where um, I'm putting effort where the returns are just diminishing, you know, over time that we've just got less and less results from doing that because things change. There are things that we start in. We always started them with a half-hearted effort, you know, Facebook, it, you know, if you get your episodes, if you find out about the show on Facebook, I'm talking to you three people who I see click the link. I'm sorry. You could sign up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter. You'll get an email once a week that will tell you we have a new episode. We only send like one or two other, maybe three other emails in a year. We do not over email you because I hate email, but it's one of the best ways to make sure you never miss an episode Um, or sign up in the podcasting app like the, you know, 80% of people that regularly listen to this show do. But my heart was never in Facebook. I never felt at home there. And I'm like, why do I post there every week? I'm done. And so I cut it out. Then there are other things I was trying to do where I just missed the boat. I just came in way too late and I just kept pouring into these things and they're not going anywhere. And I think it's important to admit what you need to quit. You need to list it all out. You need to name the quit percent and say, this is the amount that I'm quitting this year before I start anything. That little quick win will put you in so much better of a place in 2022. It will, this little one decision will have a ripple effect for the rest of your year. So you need to look at this list, go one by one. You know, my daughter's crazy Marie Kondo fan. And you need to say, which of these don't spark joy anymore and cross them off the list. You know, there's that energy of like, but what if one person one time, like, no, that's not the place you want to be creating from. That's the kind of work that exhausts you and steals your energy and life force as a creator. Get that stuff off your plate. So I hope that this, these practices mean as much to you as they did to me, because a lot of these things have really helped me, you know, even just clearing out the digital creative closet <laughs> has just got me excited again and it has really like released a lot of stress for me. And I hope that the same is for you, but I want to leave you with one last little nugget, one idea to help summarize this whole thing. Honestly, I think that this whole list And the key to staying on track, the key to falling off track in style, rather, is humility. And I don't think it's a thing that's associated with artists. It's a hard lesson to learn. And I don't claim to be a humble person. I'm working on it. But, you know, the first one is the the humility to recognize and own when you're lost, the second, the second one is the humility of having a checklist, realizing like I'm prone to forget, you know, the reason why they actually have such a hard time getting surgeons to implement these lists that have been proven time and time again to save lives is because of a lack of humility often. 
They say that doctors just don't want to, you know, they want to be left alone. They're like, I'm the expert. I was trained. I've, I know what I'm doing. You know, and you can't tell me what to do. You can't implement and force me to do this checklist. And I think about, you know, you're like, those stupid doctors. But guess what, man? I don't think anybody is more prone to be anti-checklist, to be, you know, anti-admitting that you've lost your way than an artist. You know, I feel like the Pixar rules of storytelling you know, there's so many writers that like, don't put me in a box. And I get it. Like I, like I said, there's times to get lost. I'm all about it, but I'm not above having some general guidelines, having some general rules and ideas to help me stay on track. And, you know, uh, even Stephen Colbert, when the writer of the checklist manifesto was on his show, was asking him like, how can you teach me to do a checklist for this show? Because they'll get a, a last minute news thing happen and something will go wrong and they'll, you know, they'll miss something because it's so fast paced. And I think the type of creators that we are talking about on this show are the people that can do this over the long haul, do it on purpose, show up and produce something of value consistently. And I think once you're in the, you know, the everyday and you're feeling the demands and you know you want to show up and do it again and again, you will find the value of the checklist. But you only do so, Andy, if you actually put your own stuff to use, if you actually do the checklist. And I'm so glad that, you know, sometimes on this show, I, I'm talking about things that I've done in the past and, you know, I won't necessarily be putting those practices to use at the same time that I'm making the episode. And that's my own lack of humility. And I'm glad that as I was planning this out, even though I've done this stuff a bunch of times, I'm so glad that I put in, I was like, look, man, you need to get reconnected to how this feels and, and feel if it does make a difference for you. And so I did, I did both of these, I did the checklist and I did the Marie Kondo thing and they were so effective that it just filled me up with so much passion to get you this episode out. So I hope that you do the same and I hope that it gets your new years off on the right foot and ultimately back on the right track. We still got some calendars in the shop to give you the pep month in and month out. Go get them before they're out. CreativePepTalk.etsy.com. Massive thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y. Did you catch our new jingle? It's created by the band Y. It's created by Yoni Wolf. Uh, I have been, I just want to pause and just say an enormous thanks to Yoni not only for this incredible jingle that made my decade, um, to, you know, to be collaborating in this way with him, but for him continuing to show up and make music. You know, for those of you that don't know, the whole soundtrack is actually now, we've licensed a bunch of songs from the band Y. The band Y has been one of my favorite bands all the way back in college when the album Alopecia came out. Uh, me and my buddies in college over in the UK 
were obsessed. We were, you know, it was one of those situations where you learn every single lyric and you drive in the car and you're all singing it. It's that kind of level of obsession. I will warn you that some Y songs are rated R. <laughs> just so you know. Um, but I am going to put a little playlist together, creativepeptalk.com slash music. It'll send you to a playlist with all the songs that we're using in this show. Again, some of them are uh, rated R, but they're all fantastic. I'm a huge fan. I'm so grateful to Yoni. Um, and I'm, I'm so pumped because this new music has just Really, it's been on. We've been working on this for a couple months, um, and I've had it in my head for even longer than that. And just hearing it on the show, it, it is just, man, really refreshed me for the podcast. And uh, and I and I think it's taken it to totally different levels. And Yoni's a, a guy who grew up in the Midwest in Ohio, listening to hip hop, got into indie music you know, had a, a spiritual background that's similar-ish to mine. And I just feel such a kinship to the music and I feel like it's the perfect soundtrack for this show. So massive thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y. Shout out to Connor Jones for editing this show so beautifully. Connor Jones is of the company Pending Beautiful. He's a founder of that company and uh, co-founder. <laughs> just keep correcting myself. Shout out to Ryan Appleton and Sophie Miller for content assistance. And thanks to the Coloop Podcast Network. Coloop is a podcast network that I co-founded and we design podcasts to fuel creativity. And we have a, we've designed and collected these podcasts with a bunch of different creators and all these different mediums to create these podcasts that fuel your creativity. Mm-hmm.